born to serve. My eyes see injustice, my hands vote for change, my tongue sing the sorrow of my heart. The love of Allah combined with hope, let's hold hands as we make a start. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum Welcome back respected listeners 91.3 FM is what you are tuned into My name is Muhammad Sheikh and this is a Born to Serve Featuring leaders in our community that have made a difference Are making a difference and whose legacy will continue making a difference For many a generation to come inshallah This evening we have a very special guest all the way from the United Kingdom And somebody who... Um, I can't really put to words. I think his words are very outstanding and very, uh, you know, in a very captivating a lot of the time. So, subhanAllah, somebody who Allah has blessed with, uh, you know, the art of speech as well as uh, bringing the point across without holding any qualms. And it uh, gives me great, pre- great pleasure, inshallah, to be welcoming our guest of honor, Dr. Sheikh Yusuf Abdul Jabbar, to the airways of the Voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa sheikh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I hope Cape Town has been serving you well thus far for the for a couple of days that you've been here. Beautiful, beautiful. As I mentioned in uh, some of the other gatherings I've been to, um, I didn't really know what to expect. Mm. I've traveled quite a different. A uh, number of parts of the road, South America, Europe, uh, Northern Africa, but of course Northern Africa is very different. Mm-hmm. When you want Africa, this is the real Africa, the middle to the southern part. Sure. So I was really not sure, but I was very pleasantly surprised when I landed in Johannesburg um, and then Durban. The mannerism, the politeness of the people really took me by surprise, mm-hmm. uh, the hospitality. Uh, I really have to say it's a pleasure. First time here. Wow, subhanAllah. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for many, many more trips. A lot of good progress has been made in terms of collaboration mm-hmm. with different organizations. Some on leadership we'll speak about later. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely the people and the other things, the food is oh. amazing. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> I think we start off on that note. If we set foot on that note, everything goes well beyond uh, the food aspect. And it's quite culturally diverse, so you taste a lot of good things uh, maybe some things that aren't too okay with uh, the UK but uh, no, no, let, let me add to this um, <laughs> sure let's go for it right um, so the last 10 years or so I've been obviously based in the Middle East in Saudi mm-hmm. and they are known for having great halal food mm-hmm. uh, a good variety a sure. lot of Arabian food but a lot of uh, continental food also mm-hmm. but unfortunately in some places in Saudi a lot of places, to be mm-hmm. honest, they have become so commercialized, the quality is missing. Oh, wow. And this is what I notice here, subhanAllah. Some of the, the malls, you have uh, top brands, mm-hmm. you know, five-star brands, and they are displaying the halal logo. Mm-hmm. And these are obviously non-Muslim chains, a lot sure. of them. Mm-hmm. Some of the Muslim, but majority of them, because we live here in South Africa, of course, is a, a non-Muslim country. Yes. 
but I was very impressed with the quality of the food. Uh, mm. I was in the different, I think, Century City or City Century this morning mm -hmm. having breakfast. Wow, mashallah. And it was uh, amazing breakfast, even beats a Saudi breakfast. Oh, interesting. Uh, other than the hummus and the adas and whatever else, that's uh, the standard of the day. But uh, it's, a, it's a warm, hearty Cape Townian breakfast. Now, Sheikh, uh, we're going to delve a little bit into your, your personal life. You know, many of us... Uh, you know, know the story about you being this orator, being this person who inspires people. But right here on Born to Serve, we're looking at the man behind the scenes. We're looking at what has brought you to this level, who has inspired you, and, uh, um, you know, some of the leadership lessons that we can garner from this entire discussion. So that's where we're channeling our discussion, inshallah. So let's let's begin with a brief background, a brief introduction as to who is uh, Dr. Sheikh Yusuf Abdul Jabbar. Okay. Um, first and foremost, I want to really... Uh, thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really he is the one that uh, elevates people mm -hmm. and uh, raises uh, you know if Allah loves somebody he the people love him also subhanallah you know and if you look to seek the pleasure of Allah then it opens so many doors mm -hmm. and but on the other tangent if you're looking to seek the pleasure of the people it's very difficult because you're not going to please people mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of hatred jealousy so really um you know i'm just reached around 41 years uh, a few weeks ago mm -hmm. so i'm still young old but young absolutely uh, and alhamdulillah sure. i have you know uh, six beautiful children um, so the you know the one of the biggest projects is really not uh, doing the leadership writing the papers the conferences no the biggest leadership challenge i have is at home because i have children my son is around 14 years old mm -hmm. the biggest one all the way down to a two-year-old wow so my wife yeah keeps very very busy um, and we really that that's our leadership project there itself you know that has taught us so many lessons that uh, many others will not experience because of this uh, diverse and large team at home again it's a blessing but it's a challenge absolutely um, so living with a handful six in the home already perhaps maybe more to come to add to the bounties of the ummah inshallah but uh, sure and then before we jump into anything further what is it like finding the balance in between juggling everything is there one firstly to start off with uh, very difficult um, it's you know you have to keep everyone happy mm -hmm. you have to slice yourself kind of into different parts you know you have to take the kids to the park uh, you have to spend time with the missus we have to do the shopping surely um, you have to go and visit the parents the relatives you have to go and do the work you have to you know we have to prepare for presentations sometimes you know I'm I'm preparing on the plane I'm preparing on the bus I'm preparing in the queue while I'm waiting in the bank or in the shopping market shop a supermarket you know on the phone um, and all of this you know it needs to be balanced and at times it's difficult it's mm -hmm. a challenge um, and you know I uh, as you said give you some background mm. I I married quite relatively young I would say for current standards you know sure uh, the Muslims and the non-Muslims unfortunately they're not marrying the lads until maybe 35 which is very late because yes. the Prophet Sallallahu 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 has recommended us to you know to marry early and increase the numbers and I at the age of around 25 roughly 25 26 mm -hmm. is uh, when I got married alhamdulillah again I felt that was late for me because I was ready a few years before yes 
um, after graduating from university in around 99 mm -hmm. um, you know after a couple of years I, I managed to get a job uh, and a stable income and I was ready but you know it, it was Allah's plan that I had to wait a few years mm -hmm. um, so that I think also is one of the things that as you the journey that adds to what, what who I am today I think is uh, having this taking on this responsibility and starting a family early on and mm -hmm. see this day I can my son who's let's say around 14 mm -hmm. we can have a lot of deep discussions some arguments um, you know and he, he we're trying to be like friends you know I'm like his mm. older friend um, but if I started let's say married at 35 40 then you know my uh, by the time I'm 50 60 then he's gonna be 15 and the gap is too big surely surely yeah, see, I my, totally agree. Uh, my little one he's two years old alhamdulillah his name is Muhammad he was born Masha in Medina mm. so he you know he's a he's a warrior and um, uh, but the gap you can see you know it's huge when he gets to 10 15 I'll, I'll become an old man <laughs> um, but still you know, young at heart we hope it's yeah yeah of course of but course, on that yeah. note inshallah respected listeners now time to head to the marketplace or resume shortly thereafter born to serve my eyes see injustice my hands work for change my tongue sing the Welcome back, respected listeners. 91.3 FM is what you are tuned into. My name is Muhammad Sheikh. This is Born to Serve, and uh, you are tuned into 91.3 FM. We are speaking to uh, Sheikh Dr. Yusuf Hamdul Jabbar, uh, who hails from the UK, currently in the Middle East, I believe, and uh, he's made time to speak to us this evening. SubhanAllah, we are truly grateful, Sheikh. So, um, you know, the family dynamics, etc. Let's focus, let's trek a little bit back. You know, you mentioned um, having a somewhat brotherly friendship uh, relationship with your eldest son um, back then in high school growing up uh, what was your like environment like what was your uh, you know your context and uh, how did that propel you to wanting to be at uni yeah it's interesting I went to a very traditional state school okay uh, mainly you know we grew up in a in the west of England um, predominantly a white middle-class area mm -hmm. so the schools we went to the school I went to uh, the Asian and let's say the black or colored whatever you want to call it here because you have different terminology let's say the non-white <laughs> non yeah the non-caucasian numbers were very little okay so we grew up you know very much in a British fashion uh, taking a lot of the British culture British values um, and so that was something you know that really we grew up with mm -hmm. and really Islamically I would say at secondary school I was quite poor and I didn't really realize the value of being a Muslim until I moved to college we have um, college which is uh, from 16 to 18 years okay. old so this is um, the UK system, the high school or the secondary school finish at the age of 16 mm -hmm. then you have to do a couple of years in college mm -hmm. um, before you get to university. If oh. you don't do college you can't go to university. That's interesting. Okay, okay. Um, so that's how our British system works and mm -hmm. from the age of 18-19 you start bachelor's a bachelor's degree and we can finish ours in three years um, most bachelors are three years or 
four years if you do an internship, a one-year placement, which I did. Okay. And uh, you'll be surprised that I, for my bachelor's, it was a uh, computer science. So Interesting. It had no relationship to uh, leadership management. Um, however, it did have some relation uh, later on. What happened was um, how I came back to management is mm. at, univer uh, at college. Those mm. two years, as I mentioned, growing up as a youngster, I was very interested in becoming a businessman. Um, so I studied uh, accounting, economics, and mathematics. Mm -hmm. These are what we called A levels, advanced levels, uh, studies at college for two years. Um, but what happened was, you know, as these things are, I was um, uh, practicing Islam and I um, developing and growing. Um, but academically, you know, I, I, you know, Allah's plan really, I did very badly in my uh, college years and mm -hmm. hence I didn't have any uh, enough points, enough uh, qualifications from the college to get to a business degree. So I had to settle for IT and computing at that time was new. Okay. And that's, that's what the triggered the IT. I didn't really choose it, but I sure. enjoyed it. Um, and I worked for a few years in, in IT and then telecoms and then I moved on really. Yeah. Okay, subhanAllah. So uh, journeying through IT, computer science and uh, uh, finally landing up back into the original passion of uh, leadership, leadership management, etc. Um, what was it like uh, in your years at uni? Um, did that fashion, you know, the current Islamic status quo that you adopt or um, Absolutely. Did that make a difference? What, what happened? Tell us. Absolutely. I think if we look at, um, so the years I attended university were uh, 1995 to 1999. Mm -hmm. So in the late 90s, um, if you look at the world that we are in today, mm -hmm. um, it's around 20 years ago and um, really the, the dynamics of the world we live in has changed somewhat uh, in a uh, significant way. Not just technology, mm -hmm. but in terms of ideals and norms and what is acceptable and what is not so. Uh, when we were at university, I used to be part of the Islamic society um, and you know, I, I didn't really know much Quran, but out of everybody I was probably the better one who'd memorized a little bit of Quran, mm -hmm. who could speak so they said, well, okay, you can do the Jama'a Khutbah. Okay. So this was the first uh, time when I was getting involved in getting up in front of a crowd, preparing, mm -hmm. you know speaking, giving a message um, and this is, you know, at the age of uh, 18, 19, 20 those years um, at university University, and that's how it started. And um, it's different. Like I said, we could uh, we could speak a lot more freely. We could say things about, uh, let's say, uh, um, ideals and ideas and lifestyles that really we can't. Many things that we can't say today because mm -hmm. it's become now politically incorrect. It's not acceptable. Mm -hmm. um, a lot more censorship now, um, which is very unfortunate. But so we were quite loose in 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 the da'wah. We would engage in a lot of debates. Um, we learnt a lot, you know. We and we. We were very, just like any teenagers that you have around the world, you know, we were very hot-blooded, we were very passionate and energetic of what we had, we wanted to discuss and debate, um, and, but we learned from that the now, the, the wise steps, you know, we look back at it and how we benefited from interacting with, let's say, the different groups, because I was involved in different, let's say, political Islamic groups, non-political ones, and it really does give you an insight so without being sucked 
into it. That, that the key is, alhamdulillah, we didn't get drawn into some of these extreme, let's say, ideologies or mm-hmm. some very ultra-conservative thoughts which really are not healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, we were, alhamdulillah, we didn't get drawn into this, so it was good. But we learned from being with those people, looking at the way they behaved and from their mistakes, you know, we developed. SubhanAllah, wonderful indeed. And I think uh, those early khutbas and those the early opportunity to spread Islam and to um, you know be shadowed by your Islamic identity did that shape also um, venturing into Islamic uh, uh, theology and Islamic studies later on yeah I think what um, what you have to do and what they what the the you know the Westerners they say is when you see an opportunity seize it mm-hmm. so I could have said no and say well look I'm not qualified it's difficult I've never spoken and turned this offer down huh? mm-hmm. so you have that choice and many do that most actually do that most people say no 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 not me let someone else do it okay mm-hmm. because it is very daunting sure uh, very little knowledge very little experience uh, the afraid of making mistakes and these are all problems uh, you know when in the path of leadership but there are others who say no let, let me go for it mm-hmm. I'll give it a go if I made mistakes I'll learn from it I'm still young uh, I've m- there's an opportunity not to be missed Mm. Yeah, had I not taken those, you know, we, who knows what the course of action would have been. Surely. And for sure I made mistakes and mm-hmm. we learned through failure. And some of the brothers, sometimes I'll tell you a funny story. Um, one Ramadan, we had uh, a, a, a gathering and a talk and iftar and um, uh, we broke the fast with a date and we came up and we, we wanted to pray. The Maghrib mm-hmm. prayer, of course. And they said, okay, you're, you're going to be the Imam. And I'd newly memorized, you know, one surah, surah al-Qaf, number 50. And, um, you know, it's not a two-minute recitation. It's yes. 10, 12, 15. You know, it couldn't be 10 minutes, 15 minutes, right? True. Depending on the how pace. Um, but I was very passionate. I wanted to recite. And I started reciting. Mm-hmm. And I was reciting the whole surah for so the one verse. And, of course, everybody's fasting, hungry. We have some small kids that came with their parents and the sisters. And, you know, everyone was getting very irritated. Mm. Um, but I was very energetic. I, I wanted to finish the whole surah because I'd memorized. And, yeah, you know, I loved it. And, and then afterwards, some of the brothers, they took me aside and said, Look, you, ha- you have to cut this recitation down next time. You're not Abu Bakr Shah. You know, uh, from Jeddah, uh, and look, everybody's fasting. The food's getting cold. They want to eat. They've been waiting. They've been listening. Sure. You know, so you make these mistakes. But for me, I was upset. I thought, well, I was trying to do a great job. I'm, my best recitation I put my today and the, the my favorite surah, and it's full of meaning. It's Ramadan. Allah. It's the month of Quran. Why are you guys moaning? You know, so we have to <laughs> see the sides of this story. No, absolutely. But for on that note, inshallah, whilst we, uh, you know, deliberating the recitation of an entire surah through the Salah of uh, Maghrib uh, during the month of Ramadan whilst you're coming close to fasting I think uh, in South Africa there probably might be a trend to you know cough a bit deeper like <coughs> and just uh, nudge the Imam from behind to you know what make it quick but for now uh, let's head to the marketplace we'll resume shortly thereafter keep it locked to 91.3 FM Born to serve My eyes see injustice My hands will for change My tongue sing the sorrow Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. 
Welcome back, respected listeners. 91.3 FM is what you are tuned into. My name is Mohammed Sheikh, and our special guest this evening is uh, Dr. Sheikh Yusuf Abdul Jabbar. Not sure which one comes first, but nonetheless, uh, I think it's more the personality behind the titles that we are looking at this evening. And it's uh, definitely, you know, um, inspiring listening to a different perspective of, uh, uh, you know, Dr. Yusuf Abdul Jabbar. Um, and we're getting insight into his life story through successes, through failures. Alhamdulillah, he finds himself today being a father of six, but ultimately traveling all over to inspire other people. So, you know, completing 99, what were the ambitions then as a young, early adulthood, uh, you know, person? What, were your, what was your directory in life? And uh, um, perhaps maybe your early, you know, uh, introduction to leadership per se? Sure. Um, at the final year of university, we have these things called a milk round where the large companies, uh, they come mm-hmm. and they will interview people who are due to graduate and they look at their previous grades and they think, well, this guy has a potential. And if they like those people, they take them away uh, for an assessment day, one or two days where you do a different number of tests and questionnaires, quizzes, activities, interviews, you know, and um and uh, so I was selected for one of those okay. uh, with a very large Canadian telecoms company uh, for the IT division and software development. And mm-hmm. um, I went there and uh, they said to everybody, there was maybe 30, 40 people, they said, every one of you who is here today, the company is very large, has unlimited vacancies for uh, IT specialists. Mm-hmm. Any one of you who during the three, two days hits the mark in all the different groups so in the group of presentations if you hit above 80 in this this is anyone of you meets our benchmark set by the company is guaranteed a job uh, a graduate position in london with a great uh, opportunity for uh, financial gains and a career mm. you know so it was a, a amazing opportunity and i and i thought wow this is a lifetime opportunity so i took permission from my parents and my my brother who's also like a very inspirational figure okay. and my kind of guide as well and i said look what do you think can mm. i go to this event he said go for it sure give it a try um the reservation was that we live three hours uh, away from london uh, in a town called bristol and um we were already thinking, well, if I get the opportunity, mm-hmm. I have to move out from our family home, and I've never moved away from home. Um, you know, so it's a big, big change. My brother said, look, don't worry, go and give it a go. Let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. Then we'll decide. Sure. Um, then, because, you know, we're a very close family, and uh, uh, and it's it's quite daunting to leave home, etc. So I did. I took the two days of tests and assessment, and... Um, Alhamdulillah, you know, the few of us, uh, quite a few of us, maybe from the 30, mm-hmm. maybe 10 or 12 of us actually passed. And then we were offered a position even before graduating. Subhanallah. So we still had another six months left, but they said, no, we, we know what you're about. We know you're capable. We know you'll get a good uh, grade in your bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. So we're going to make you an offer, uh, a conditional offer on the condition that you pass your bachelor's uh, and uh, the job is yours. Wow, amazing. So this was really... An amazing piece of news, but at the same time, uh, uh, quite sad because it was like, well, what do we do now? Because I have to talk to my parents. Yes. Am I going to leave home? I've mm-hmm. never uh, left home. Uh, I don't really know how to cook. I don't know how to really take care of myself. I was living with my parents, uh, studying in uh, my hometown in Bristol. 
um, you know, and my, my sisters were there, my brother, all our family, my, my aunts and my uncle, they're all there. So very uh, protected lifestyle, you know, sure. so it was a very uh, crunch time it was really. Mm -hmm. Subhanallah, so in the crunch time, you had to make a choice. Yeah, and, and I think I have to give the credit to my brother, really. Okay. So um, speaking of, let me just uh, latch on quickly onto inspirational people. You mentioned your family, and I would imagine they were like... Uh, in this uh, bubble of protection, the core support structure that you've had uh, all along, tell us a little bit about them, and you know what do they, uh, what do they mean to you back then, and how do they influence your life at present? Sure, sure. Um, my mother, you know, she's a very simple lady. She didn't really study too much, um, and we uh, moved. We, we've obviously come from. Uh, my parents come from the Bangladesh origin, mm -hmm. and we moved actually in around 1985. Oh, to the UK. Uh, to the UK when it's I was quite a small, bit, uh, yeah, quite a long time ago. We're, we're yeah. old. My father in the 1960s. Oh. He's been in England uh, a long time. Right. And um, I moved as a young boy at the age of about six. Mm -hmm. um, experiencing, I mentioned earlier when I went to the villages and the townships today. Yes. I said I grew up. I said we share a lot with mm -hmm. the, with the native Africans here. I said I grew up in a village also. Okay. I spent a few years of my first years of my life, and I still have very strong memories of going to the marketplace with my grandfather. May Allah rest his soul. Amen. And he also was a great inspiration because he used to work on these ships, mm -hmm. and we're talking about hundred year, uh, over a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. They passed away a long time ago, and he was a, like a sailor and helped on the boat. And imagine over a hundred years ago, he was uh, he was unique to do the Hajj. Subhanallah. You know, because uh, we uh, when he came back, he would tell us the stories, um, and he showed us some of the the bag he had for his mushaf, and and really he was a very inspirational person to me mm -hmm. and he was one of the only person in, a, in that village right. to build a masjid and the masjid was the size of this room just Ajib. a little bit bigger than this Subhanallah. yeah but it was a great achievement because in the whole village there was nothing where the people who have a masalla but he you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him this inspiration to have a small masjid so they can pray and um, so my father was a very basic, very young, uh, you know, he came at the age of 18, 19, and it was in Pakistan these days. He told me how he went to Lahore and how he did the, you know, they were giving these applications. He said, look, we have some visas for England. And him and his friend, they just finished high school, and he, and they were joking around, you know. They said, mm. let's fill in these forms. And they didn't even know how to fill it in because it was has to be in English. Right. So what happened? They took the forms, they went back to the village, and what did they find? They found these Hindu guys. There's right. mushriks who are actually educated and who knew how to write English. Mm. So my father and his friend, they took permission from their father and they said, look, can we go to this guy just to fill in some forms for us and send it? Mm -hmm. And they took permission and they, uh, as a joke, they said, okay, we're going to send this form. Right. Uh, and they posted it and lo and behold, it came back. Uh, they got accepted. They got a visa to work, go to England to work in the factory, car so factories, you know, after the industrial uh, World War Two and they think the, the industrial revolution and, and mm. that's, you know, so, and then he came, worked in the factories and then he, he's retired now, alhamdulillah. Then he got into business in the food trade, actually. Okay. You know, the, the Indian food trade, uh, mm -hmm. food trade and takeaways and these things. And so that, he again, also very basic, young, as uh, they left uni, a very simple person. Today, alhamdulillah, he's still, he's around 75 years Masha old. Allah, and, um, Allah increase him in age yeah, and, and good health. Alhamdulillah, he, he, he's a very simple guy. 
And I think the relationship, we, we didn't have too much of a close relationship because, again, he used to work away from the city we lived in, oh. um, very far. We, we wouldn't see him very often. Mm -hmm. So we grew up with a big gap. Mm -hmm. And then when I, you know, alhamdulillah, got married, after that we became a lot closer. Okay. You know, we, we, he would talk and we'd sit and he'll tell these stories. So this is this circle, you know, how this, this family relations mm -hmm. and... Um, also, I want to add to that something sure. very, very important mm -hmm. is those of us and uh, our brothers who have not married yet, they will not really value uh, the, the value of parents, mother and a father, until yourself you get married and you have your own children. And you realize the effort you put, mm -hmm. you know, the amount of time you spend and the love they give you and back and forth. So, subhanAllah, you, I became, you know, much more uh, appreciative and I realized the status of my own parents when I ha got married and I had my kids. Allah really opens up this uh, wisdom, you know, mm -hmm. and we don't see it when we're young. We're just young when we rely on them and they love us so much and we just, you know, we, we really neglect them and ignore them and those who have parents, you know, we should really get close to them. Absolutely, absolutely. Wonderful, interesting, um, you know, take-off uh, events. And I think a lot of South Africans can relate to, you know, coming from a different country altogether, perhaps some in the previous century, some of them actually more recent as, uh, you know, the late 60s, 70s, 80s. And I think, um, you know, uh, South African Muslims place a great amount of uh, value to the traditional roots, especially the values that they came with. And, uh, you know, one of them highlighting, I would say, in terms of um, uh, which I've seen, you know, perhaps in a lot of countries uh, in the in the Far East, in the Middle East, or perhaps maybe in the Asian countries as well, you know, the great concept of adab and respect. And we could see in your train of uh, thought that uh, uh, one thing that was key in your relationship with your parents and your seniors was that there was always counsel, there's always asking for permission and seeking their guidance. And I think... Uh, um, you know, as we venture into leadership and touching on that, inshallah, uh, that would form part of, uh, you know, respect forms a great, a very uh, a pertinent focus on leadership as a whole. Absolutely. And I think one of the myths we need to break here in terms of to be a, a person of good leadership is that you can learn from many different people, not just senior and elder, but from uh, youngsters. Mm -hmm. I mean, see, if you see my, my brother who is uh, older than me in age, mm -hmm. he's senior, he's the eldest of our, we're also six oh, brothers mashallah. and sisters. Mm -hmm. We have the same combination, two brothers and four sisters. And okay. my kids have two sons and four, four sisters. So there's genetic chain, huh? <laughs> um, it's not a surprise. But what I mean is my brother, he is a senior in many respects, but mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, he discusses and consults with me on many matters mm -hmm. and he sees me in some areas as more senior than him right. which I'm really not but he feels that he can uh, learn from my different perspectives mm -hmm. and so we have this exchange of ideas you know and uh, right now mashallah of course he's very active in one of the centers we have Islamic center mm -hmm. uh, in our hometown and he really is doing a lot of great job um, and we, we you know we bounce off each other mm -hmm. and also my younger sisters you know they have different ideas and they're teachers also many of them actually we have a, quite a whole history of teaching okay, um, teachers and my brother also he's a teacher and the head of department um, and we, we try to bounce off each other you know mm -hmm. and um, and this is I think the key thing to uh, to become a good humble leader is mm -hmm. to I think have this humility to be able to learn from others 
and um, whether it's big or small, elder, younger, mm-hmm. um, and different fields, because you can always benefit um, and become more wiser, really, from different perspectives and different people. Absolutely. One of the, um, you know, latching onto leadership now, and I think this is a huge topic, but uh, one of the problems that we have in modern day is, uh, you know, people gone around about unity and achieving. Um, you know, uh, love and mutual respect for each other, especially in uh, uh, countries where Muslims are an absolute minority. And within that, we still find factions between different people, uh, some of them with agendas, other people with, uh, you know, the pure stance on certain issues. And I think uh, uh, that also brews onto a pot of hatred and a pot of, um, you know, chasing people away from the deen as opposed to being, you know, welcoming, but not in a manner of, um, you know, respect, but in a manner of, I want to disagree with you because I don't like you, as opposed to, I see from a different perspective. And, you know, as part of many of your leadership seminars, etc., um, how would you reconcile? How would you reconnect? And what are we missing? What are we lacking? We, we, what's our recourse? Sure. Um, you're absolutely right. We have... Um, big problem amongst the Muslims globally Mm -hmm. and I think um, some other scholars have touched on this also that Mm -hmm. we have a leadership crisis Mm -hmm. amongst the Ummah we have different nations different countries and as you mentioned let's say UK very diverse Mm -hmm. Muslims from all backgrounds South African uh, Asians Arabs um, natives Mm. Um, but we have different masajid different mosques different groups and um, uh, the I think the problem is it's a lack of tolerance because if you look at Islam and the Muslims and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says you know وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطَهُ Okay, and we are really Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has raised us as a balanced nation middle nation وَسَط here وَسَطِيَّ So you see some of the scholars they talk about وَسَطِيَّ meaning the وَسَط the middle path Mm-hmm. The balanced nation. So Allah says He has raised us as a, a balanced nation, a great uh, raised nation. So what does it mean to be balanced? It means we have to stay in the middle. Mm-hmm. We can't be ultra uh, conservative and extreme in any way, or we can't be go to the liberal also, where we're very loose and we accept everything, yes. or we block everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, everything is haram or everything is halal. No, we have to stay in the middle. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean to stay in the middle? Means tolerance mm-hmm. and mutual respect and sometimes uh, within context we have to agree to disagree okay you know and because even also in the fiqh you know the islamic law you may have um an issue where two scholars in their own right mm-hmm. both credible both qualified using very similar sources from the quran and sunnah mm-hmm. will come out with two different fatwa or two different rulings or two different opinions mm-hmm. and we have to respect both of them and they both should respect each other because they are both based on quran and sunnah Sahih. so as long as they are based on credible uh, evidences mm-hmm. you ha- we don't have a right to say no you're wrong uh, your opinion is we can argue and disrespect that opinion sure and this is the problem we have now time and time with these new graduates unfortunately the ones who graduate from let's say medina islamic university with all due respect you know we have some great scholars coming out Absolutely. but unfortunately we have some of these youngsters who just finish a bachelor's and you know they think they know everything mm. And they have very little adab 
mm. and manners for the scholars and the elders you know and this is not the way of Islamic scholarship absolutely you know, there has to be manners and adab and etiquettes for seniors mm. even if they are making mistakes there is a way to interact there is a way um, to be tolerant okay and this is I think the cause of some of this disunity that mm. some of these uh, people are very uh, fixated and very opinionated and it's like their opinion mm -hmm. and their scholars are the only scholars who are correct and everybody else is doomed for the hellfire subhanallah I think uh, you know I actually love that statement that you you know profoundly echo in terms of uh, uh, you know forgetting the concept of adab and I think what disheartens me a lot of the time is regardless of which university you attend and what better you change in your mindset in your aqidah in your belief system when you're fiqh or whatever it is I think once you return a different person in your mindset and belief system uh, one of the greatest things you can do is to implement it with wisdom as opposed to penetrating with harshness and um, you know in doing the latter we obviously are disrespecting the very same people who slogged and slaved you know to pay for the studies for us to even go there in the first place and I think uh, I take great exception openly to people who end up like this no matter whether you studied in the lands where the Quran was revealed or the the heart of Africa absolutely does not matter but th that aside um, uh, you know from uh, getting back into leadership would you say there was your genetic calling as you have a history of you know genetic uh, uh, coincidence from generation to generation how did you foresee yourself back into leadership and uh, you know orating according to leadership uh, topics uh, sure um, also related to that I think just to go back onto this uh, previous point because mm. it, it, it um, ties in very well to leadership in a couple of aspects in mm -hmm. terms of this issue about role models okay okay and learning from a teacher and if we look at traditional scholarship one of the imams of the madhab mm -hmm. uh, his mother would uh, tell him go and learn from the manners of your teacher before you learn from his knowledge subhanallah you know and this is profound in the sense that you look at your teacher and you you look at the way he is and this is the same thing with the parent and the child mm -hmm. the child looks at the father as the role model and he looks at the actions nobody tells him all the time but mm -hmm. what the father is doing he said oh my father is going to the mosque okay this is a good thing I'm gonna go to the mosque with him mm -hmm. my father smokes okay it's not too bad it's okay for me to smoke also yeah so they pick up on the habits so this role model is very very important for leaders and one of those principles is that you lead by example that you are a positive example mm -hmm. and same with this knowledge and seeking knowledge that you learn from the mannerisms um, of your teacher okay and that's uh, key and um, I always enjoyed teaching and training so even in the days of uh, telecommunications I yes. would go to conferences I would uh, deliver training and and from that I started to get a quite a, a, an enjoyment and a satisfaction from giving people you know giving something um, and when people you see the smile on people's faces mm. that you've actually taught them something and that probably are the first steps where I started to really enjoy uh, delivering and sharing information wonderful I think uh, it's a train that has uh, brewed into lots of uh, uh, rainbows of success alhamdulillah to this point and may grow inshallah from strength to strength for the years to come but on that note respected listeners it's now time to head back and pay the bills we we'll resume from the marketplace in just a jiffy keep it locked Born.
to serve. My eyes see injustice, my hands will for change, my tongue sing the sorrow of my heart. The love of Allah combined with hope. Let's hold hands as we make a start. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Welcome back, respected listeners. In our final segment this evening, I hope you're still tugging along and enjoying yourselves as much as I am, inshallah. I love uh, talking to people and speaking to people and learning from people. And uh, that's what makes uh, radio a lot more exciting and uh, fun. And, uh, you know, it brings about uh, sharing those wonderful experiences over the microphone. Uh, so, yes, uh, Dr. Yusuf Abdul Jabbar is with us, uh, our guest from the UK. And, uh, inshallah, um, uh, you know, in our final segment, some of the questions, uh, there's always questions ringing on my mind, but in this particular aspect, um, you know, leadership is a very broad-based topic, a very broad-based, um, very subjective as well. Many people define leadership in very different ways. And um, if I had to ask you very simply, um, you know, what would you say are the four most or three most important, the triangle behind successful leadership in your opinion? Sure. Um, just to finish off on the point of languages, yes. and then we'll um, we'll tackle that. Me. Yeah, we'll sure. tackle this one. Um, what the the scientists and uh, they've shown this from a long time with the the children who are bilingual. Mm-hmm. Um, the language, what it does when you, when a child learns more than one language, it widens the brain and it changes the structure of the brain and it makes it more uh, dynamic. Um, so we see the, the the children who are bilingual t- tend to be intellectually stronger, mm-hmm. um, and of course this is a gift. And for uh, for conveying messages, language is key. And especially, let's say, if you're trying to convey a religious message, mm-hmm. Islamically, um, or any training, let's say, the more languages you speak, the more access you have. Absolutely. So you know, so the, some of the leadership now I I do in Arabic, but I'm very reluctant. In Masjid Naba, we've done Salam some youth leadership um, for the youth in Arabic, but I'm reluctant because a lot of the terminology, a lot of the concepts, they have to be expressed well, and you need good command of the language. Okay. Um, and it's in English, really, for, for, for the study. So if you look at this um, triangle of leadership or mm-hmm. the components, um, there are, from obviously, from uh, an Islamic perspective, we have a huge richness in leadership. Um, whether the Muslims we know it or not we have it and um, from the Quran we have one of the great uh, chapters of Surah Al-Kahf mm-hmm. uh, chapter 18 that we read as part of the Sunnah you know to read it on Friday yeah. and that has some great stories in leadership um, that can be extracted in the story of you know the Dhul Qarnayn mm-hmm. the story of Musa salam, the story of the two gardens and the story of the cave mm-hmm. so there are four different stories and full of rich uh, stories in leadership mm-hmm. um, so I uh, recommend our viewers, our listeners, to um, uh, do this and under look at the tafsir, the explanation of Surah Kahf. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll find some good explanations and some aspects of leadership. Sure. Um, and so the key, I think, to leadership in terms of uh, let's forget the theoretical side because the academics they will say there's three components: yes. the followers, the leader, and the situation. And mm-hmm. that's one of the models they say these are the three ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, of course, this is this is true. But as an individual, I think what needs to happen is 
um, having this this mindset, mm-hmm. you know, having this right mindset, the can do they say in 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 language, uh, you know, can do statements or I can do this, you know, I can do it. Mm-hmm. Being positive, I think it's a huge uh, part of uh, being a leader and having this mentality to have positivity and uh, and this is important from a Muslim point of view because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and our Prophet sallam has always reminded us to stay positive and to give the benefit of the doubt so even if something uh, very uh, disastrous happens that you feel is not very positive you have to look at the positive one mm-hmm. because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordained this there's a greater wisdom behind it and if you look deep enough, you will find um, some lessons in this, something that's not positive, but that has actually developed you. SubhanAllah. Um, to I give think you that's, the, that's the mindset that we, you know, that probably that intellectual jihad is the, the actual, uh, the talking point behind that. And I think it's the, uh, the, probably the cornerstone. It's not just the components, it's the mindset, the wanting to adapt, the wanting to change, the wanting to be that leader or in some cases being that follower of uh, our beautiful Dean of Islam. Um, so I think in terms of our formal discussion, our formal, uh, well not so much formal, our discussion per se, that's I think where we leave it inshallah. But uh, not letting you off the hook just yet, Sheikh, I always keep my uh, two roast questions for the end All that right. is non-related to anything. So this one goes as, is there a particular pull that you take that gives you a different charge when orating a lecture or not? Ah, what is it yeah. that? Yes, there is. There are a few things there. Okay. These are secrets, huh? These <laughs> are. Um, uh, I don't know if I've discussed uh, these. So this could be a very special moment today on Cape Town and the South Africans. And uh, I think you deserve it to hear these uh, these key golden rules. Huh? Sure. One of the couple of the things uh, um, before any speech and any lecture, um, I don't eat much. Okay. Sometimes you know I've, uh, I'm staying at a hotel, five-star hotel, with a massive banquet of food, and I have plenty of time. So don't think I don't have time. <laughs> I get up six o'clock, and the, the the session is at nine o'clock. I have plenty of time, um, but I I don't take the food, you know, because what happens, uh, the food makes you heavy and lazy, and that's mm. why I think one of the biggest philosophers, I don't know who it is, a Greek philosopher, he said, uh, they asked him, he said, how, why, why are you so successful? He says, while most people they uh, live, uh, they live to eat. I mm. only eat to live. Ah, so the difference. He only has the bare minimum to give him energy to survive and to keep his research and his works because he became one of the big philosophers. But while most of us mm. we live to eat, meaning dining out, parties, uh, friends, gatherings, weddings, huh? we mm. enjoy. And I, even I am guilty. We enjoy the food. <laughs> Truly. Okay. So that's one rule: uh, not to eat too much. Sure. Um, one of the other one, which might sound quite crazy, is. Um, and it's happened not out of choice in many occasions is not sleeping because you should sleep because you know if you don't sleep long enough mm-hmm. your head is jolty and your thoughts are all scrambled up absolutely you're trying I to think that. of something mm-hmm. and you're lazy and you can't but some, me because of a lot of preparation a lot of I don't sleep sometimes on the big events that I have I may not sleep for an average maybe five hours and the doctors Whoa. were saying you should sleep seven eight hours huh? okay um, interesting and what, what it does you know what it is sometimes it creates this you're on edge you, you create this positive energy mm. you, you, you 
you're on edge and you want to perform, you know. So uh, as long as you can uh, control your thought pattern and your ideas, and if something you know where you've already delivered before mm. and you're comfortable and it's your area of expertise, then it's not an issue because it's not something new. You already know what you have to say. Sure. You've got your reminder on your piece of paper or your phone. Um, so what it does, it, you're in this heightened state of kind of, not madness, but mm -hmm. you're in this uh, state of not normality, you know. Sure. You're normal, you're comfortable, you're, pl you're, what do you call it, relaxed, and you become very complacent. But when mm. you're not, you're near an, an edge sometimes, and then you go out and you can perform. Ah, so that's two tips, there you are. Two tips indeed. Well, uh, maybe I might have a difference of opinion on the second one, and I think... Uh, Normally when preparing, perhaps if your sight is on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that five hours becomes like 15 hours as much as, and, and that, that barakah attributes to the positivity of that energy and being off the edge. And I think uh, we see from the lives of our pious people where they would, I mean, a two hours in their life could be like 24 in hours, subhanAllah. And yeah. in a span of 30 or 40 years, they would write thousands, thousands of books and you ask yourself how yeah. and why. But nonetheless, to our final question. Um, when you're not busy with conferences, being playing daddy in the home, daddy at the supermarket, and um, you know not uh, preparing lectures or reading uh, random psychology magazines at airports, what is it do you find yourself doing other than everything else conventional for your lifestyle? Perhaps um, two things, or three things that are yeah. totally off course and not... Okay, I, I can give you that. Um, but generally, um, and my wife, uh, she would say that, uh, and a lot of people, they say I'm very boring. You know, because I love my books and I love my reading. Mm. Even in the spare time, uh, I'm always uh, reading and kind of trying to seek knowledge. So whether it's a hadith, whether it's the stories of the companions, whether it's another quotation of leadership you know I, I love to read and that makes me boring uh, in front of most people but that's that's their problem it's not Surely. my problem because I love it okay okay that drives other than you, that sure. um, I do uh, try to play sports I do play a bit of football I don't watch football I ah. clearly don't have time and I hate watching it but I can play and I have played and I only will play either midfield or striker you can never put me in defense <laughs> or in goal because otherwise I'll just sit out I hate the back half of the pitch. Okay, the front half. Oh, yeah, wonderful. it has to be the front half. Uh, playing sports, engaging actively. Yeah. But uh, I think, inshallah, um, I've been inspired as much as the rest of us, inshallah, Dr. Sheikh Yusuf Abdul Jabbar. It's only been a pleasure, subhanAllah, having you in our midst this evening. And uh, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant you prosperity, good health, uh, a long life filled with afia, good sihha, and, uh, you know, may he grant you many people to be inspired by you, inshallah. And, uh, um, you know, be an exemplary um, example to I your mean. children where, you know, you mentioned that right at the beginning, that's where we will leave as a strong take on message this evening that your greatest leadership is derived within your home and, you know, being a parent. And I think uh, that's where we all resonate with uh, today, inshallah. So those aspiring young parents, inshallah, may you also go through a journey full of fruition and success. And uh, we hope that, uh, you know, this generation of the youth can uplift the ummah. 
for many to come, inshallah. But on that note, uh, shukran so much. And for our viewers uh, in South Africa and Australia and the UK also, that I believe will be tuning via the live stream. Uh, shukran to all of you for tuning in and for being inspired, inshallah. And uh, we hope to hear from you. Yes, you can keep it locked on our social media pages via Facebook, via Instagram, on The Voice of the Cape. And uh, follow us right there, inshallah, bringing you the best programming content. From myself, Muhammad Sheikh, our guests in studio, uh, Dr. Sheikh Yusuf Amtal Jabbar, as well as all of us here at The Voice of the Cape. I hope you have a beautiful, blissful week ahead, inshallah. Keep well, keep safe, keep steadfast in the Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.